you're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Shannon. Hey, it's Chelsea. And hi, it's Erica. Uh, This week's case is called the Bucks County Jane Doe, and the case summary is, in September of 1995, skeletal remains were discovered by some children behind a diner in Ben Salem, and that's in Lower Bucks County. An autopsy later determined that the remains were of a woman who had been there for two to three years prior to the discovery. She remained an unidentified white female, or Jane Doe, for 26 years also known as Bucks County Jane Doe and Clubhouse Jane Doe. And you'll find out why later. So the complete story is on September 18th of 1995, there were some kids playing in a wooded area behind the Clubhouse Diner, a 24-hour diner on Street Road near Knights Road in Ben Salem. I grew up in Ben Salem and I know the Clubhouse Diner very well. Um, I've been there plenty of times. Street Road is like a main thoroughfare road that that goes through Ben Salem. Um, And the Clubhouse Diner is still there. It's a suburban area about two miles from I-95 and only about a mile from northeast Philadelphia. And uh, what they now call the Philadelphia Mills Shopping Mall. I don't know if anyone's heard of that, but it was always known as the Franklin Mills Mall for my entire life. Wait a minute, um, is I, it not called that anymore? No, they oh. changed the name to Philadelphia Mills, I don't know, a few years ago, but everyone I know still calls it Franklin Mills. I have been calling it Franklin Mills. I did uh-huh. not know that. Everyone will know, they'll know that more, what you're talking about, than they will if you say Philadelphia Mills anyway. Um, anyone that's from the area. So it's, it's probably five minutes uh, from that mall area. And I graduated Ben Salem High School in 1994, which is one year before this this discovery was made. I lived in Ben Salem at the time, but for some reason, I do not recall this story at all. Um, Some of my friends do. I don't remember hearing anything about it. So on this September day, these kids first thought what they saw was a turtle. Uh, But when they took a closer look, they saw that it was bones or specifically a skull. So I can see how a skull might resemble a turtle. The body was wrapped in a clear, heavy plastic tarp and buried in a shallow grave. According to the autopsy, it was a woman between 35 and 45 years old. She had long brown hair and her height was determined to be four foot eight to five foot two. So she was small. They also determined that she had given birth at least once. I'm guessing that determination has something to do with hip bone width or something. I don't really know how they're able to tell that from skeletal remains. Uh, There was some clothes found nearby. A blue quilted sleeveless vest, light blue rustler corduroy pants, um, if anyone remembers that brand, probably not. A pink t-shirt with KPMG Pete Marwick on the front a white t-shirt with property of Alcatraz Penitentiary Swim Team, uh and San Francisco written on the front that was cut into a half top, or as they call them now, crop top, and a white v-neck t-shirt. Now, it isn't known for 100% certainty that these were all clothes belonging to the victim, especially since the pants were a 40 by 30, 
The pink tee was one size fits all, but appeared to be a large in size. The Alcatraz shirt was a small cut into a half top. And the white V-neck t-shirt was a size large. So really none of none of those sizes match at all, really. They don't go together. Like you're not wearing a large shirt under a small silly. crop top. Yeah, that's um, weird. Yeah, and I don't know how many like shirts you need to wear at once. Um, but not sure if she was actually wearing all these clothes because um, they were found nearby, not necessarily on her body. Uh, she was also wearing two crosses around her neck, one small gold cross and one large silver cross, both with a crucifix on the front and the stations of the cross on the back. I don't know what the stations of the cross are. Anyone Neither knows what that is. Um, I've heard of them, but I don't. Might be like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or something. Uh, so that was on the back, and there are photos of all of these items um, wherever we put photos. There was also a brown beaded car seat cover and a small sample of brown hair at the scene. People suspect that some or all of the items may have belonged to her. So again, nothing is known for sure. Uh, but I found that they are also now looking for DNA on those items. Her cause of death was homicide by unspecified means. And as I said earlier, it was estimated the body had been there for two to three years. And in these two to three years, there were no missing persons that matched her description. So at this point in the story, it's safe to say that no one had reported her missing. So she was buried under the name Jane Doe at Trinity Cemetery in Telford, PA, and the case went cold. So in 2002, seven years later, Ben Sound Police Detective Chris McMullen brought some attention to the cold case as he was dissatisfied with the original investigation, that's a quote, and quote, felt a lot more, end quote, could be done. He was actually a patrolman at the time the remains were found. So in May of 2004, two years later, Bensalem police exhumed her remains and sent them to the newly created University of North Texas Center for Human Identification, also known as CHI. CHI supports forensic DNA testing, anthropological examinations, training, and various research and development initiatives. There, a DNA profile was extracted and uploaded into the CODIS system. From the Bureau of Justice Statistics website, CODIS is an acronym for Combined DNA Index System, which is a computer software program that operates local, state, and national databases of DNA profiles from convicted offenders, unsolved crime scene evidence, and missing persons. They hoped this would help identify her. They also received assistance from the Doe Network, which is an all-volunteer organization devoted to assisting investigating agencies in bringing closure to national and international cold cases. The Doe Network provided a forensic sketch and sculpture to show what the woman would have looked like when she was alive. So this is actually like a 3D clay uh, bust of, of her head, basically, that they made. From that, over 50 missing women were ruled out as Jane Doe between 2004 and 2021, but she was yet to be identified at that point. 
Um, I had a, since you're talking about uh, the volunteers of like that particular organization, I saw, I don't exactly remember where I saw it. I mean, between all of us, I'm sure we watched a thousand different true crime shows and stuff, mm-hmm. but there are people that in their spare time, it's not their full-time job, will literally look through missing persons cases and will like update sketches and will, you know, if they're artists, they'll do those sculptures. Um and they say that they can do like a couple hundred and maybe find one person, like identify one person. Like it's not wow. easy. It's like really, I, I really hard. That. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, people in other states can be doing it. And it's just crazy how, uh, you know, some of these Jane Doe's end up getting discovered. It isn't just the police and like the investigation. It's just people on the Internet wanting to help, I guess. Yes, exactly. People that want to help. And that's. It is amazing that that is an all volunteer organization. I mean, I went on their website and it's not a dinky little website. No, you know, it's, it's, not. it's, it's, <laughs> it's really, um, it's a big deal and, and they're helping. So then in November of 2021, Bode, it's B-O-D-E technology labs, uh, which is a DNA analysis firm that area police had worked with for years, developed a DNA profile for Bucks County Jane Doe and uploaded it to GED match or GED match, uh, which is an online DNA comparison tool and family tree DNA.com, uh, which is one of the standard DNA test sites for ancestry, like the other websites that they have uh, heritage.com, I think is one of them. So with uh, the assistance of Jennifer Moore of innovative forensic investigations, and additional sibling DNA comparison testing. So they were able to get the DNA from siblings um, that they suspected of, of this Jane Doe. They, the Ben Salem police were finally able to identify Jane Doe as Mary Beth Hodgkinson. This isn't until 2021. Now they've identified her. Uh, Mary Beth was from Warminster, PA. She was one of eight children. She was last seen in September of 1992. So then she wasn't found until September of uh, 1995. So that the math is right when they said she may have been there two or three years. Uh, but that was the last time she was seen visiting her family in Warminster, which is about 30 minutes west of the clubhouse diner. She was approximately 31 years old when she was killed. Uh, her siblings said that they did report her missing to police departments in Warminster and Philadelphia, although the detective on the case, Detective McMullen, was not able to find any report entered into the national database. In 2006, her family had the court declare Mary Beth legally dead. I'm not sure why. Um, I did see somewhere, I don't remember if I put it in here, but that she, it was found that she did have two kids. So she did indeed have children. So maybe that's why they had her declared legally dead after she was missing for so long, you know, before they they found out that she was really dead. Wondering, do we know what family she was visiting? Like, was it was it one of her siblings um, when she or before she went missing? That's a good question. I didn't see anything that clarified that. It just said that she's from Warminster. And uh, she was last seen visiting family in Warminster, but it didn't specify 
you know, who. I just think it's strange as like a family member didn't push harder to find out exactly where she was. Like, I feel like if they did push harder, obviously it would have been reported as a missing persons case. I don't know. And for her to have kids, unless there was like problems that maybe made them think that it was a possibility of her running away or like disappearing. I I don't know. I think that's crazy. It is curious that they and they said that they file missing persons reports, but there was there were no matches found um, and he didn't find any any type of missing persons report. So maybe there was a miscommunication in the family and they I I don't really I don't know. Um, I did see that she has a brother, I believe, who is still interested in in finding out uh, what happened. I don't know if part of the reason coming up that, you know, people didn't look too hard um, is that she had worked as an exotic dancer in the Lower Bucks County area. Uh, she had resided on Ron Street in Philadelphia, uh, the George Washington Motor Lodge and the Oakford Inn. Now, both of these, again, I don't know if anyone knows of these places. Uh, George Washington Motor Lodge is no longer there, but it's super seedy, rent by the hour type place or on Roosevelt Boulevard Route 1 area and um it's not it sounds like a place you would take your family but it, it really wasn't and the Oakford Inn uh, was actually a strip club I never knew there was an actual inn that you could rent rooms or anything there I just always knew it was a strip club and that it looks like she may have worked at the Oakford and rented a room upstairs so since she has now been identified, police would like to try to figure out what was going on in her life at the time she vanished. It is known that she is a graduate of William Tennant High School in Warminster, class of 1979. It was also noted by the Bucks County Courier Times that she actually had two children and that her cause of death was most likely strangulation. Uh, And then I did find that there is now a person of interest in this case who Detective McMullen says may have information about her death. A man named William Wild Bill Montgomery, 58 years old, formerly of Ben Salem. He is currently in a prison near Pittsburgh, PA, and admitted to murdering two women. One was also an exotic dancer, and he actually disposed of that body in a similar manner to what Mary Beth's body, uh, how her body was disposed of in a tarp, shallow grave. And the other one was not, there wasn't really many similarities, so I really didn't include it in there, but he did admit to murdering two women. Um, So that's been since 2001, or I'm sorry, so that's been since 2021. I would assume the police have spoken to that man by now, but I don't know. Um, So I don't know. I think it's, you had mentioned that it's likely that she died from strangulation. I'm wondering if they pulled any DNA. I mean, I don't think it was really that big around that time frame, but I know that you mentioned that they exhumed her body. I wonder if they did and could compare it. I do know that, I mean, obviously DNA testing takes so long, especially with older cases. But I'm wondering if that's something that they're working on. Oh, so that is what could be kind of holding it up is waiting for testing to come back. I did find they said that they were also testing like the clothing and and the items that were found near her body. 
um, because I would imagine it's possible some of those clothes may have come from her attacker or, you know, whoever, whoever put her there. Hopefully the elements didn't um, degrade any type of forensic evidence for um, like, especially if this wild bill character is, you know, is involved, you, you know, you know, this, then, you know, they have his DNA on, on the system now, you know, if he's in prison already. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully if, you know, if it is him, they can, can, you know, put it to him. If not, you know, rule him out. Hopefully that um, they can get something off of that, off those clothes. Right. One or the other. Well, you did also, you also mentioned that she was in like a tarp type thing. So maybe that also preserved some evidence if it was on her and not to be morbid, but if she was a stripper and if it like wasn't like bad blood or anything like that, it's probably likely that maybe there was like a sexual assault and maybe it went sideways. So it could have been that. I don't know. I do read that strangulation is usually pretty personal because you have to be up in their face. But I don't know. Hopefully there is some type of DNA that they can pull, hopefully. Well, and I do, you know, I I didn't do too much research into the murders that he confessed to. But now I'm curious as to did they have DNA on him prior to him confessing or did he just confess because... My initial thought was, he's already in prison for murdering two women. Why not give closure to this family? And, you know, if he is the person who did it, just admit to this one, too. Um, How much worse can it get for him at this point? I did a case a while ago. Can't even really remember when exactly we did it, but there was... um, a victim, uh, she was sexually assaulted and killed at a park. And the person that's a suspect for it is in jail for doing a very similar crime, but she was a white woman. And even though they have a lot of evidence, they were, they worked together, they lived near each other. Um, they just would, it seems like they won't bring the family justice. And it's just really, really sad. And some people are like, well, what does it matter? He's already in jail, like for life. He's not getting out, but it's that closure for the family. Right. Say that when it's your sister, what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it matters. It, it, it absolutely matters. Um, yeah. Like they're already in prison, but it, it's, it's closure. It's a lot of things. Um, so it, it would, you know, it, it doesn't sound like in anything that I've read. I mean, there's so many articles because there was articles before they knew who she was and then a lot of articles after. And, you know, it just seems that no one has reached out to, to police or that, you know, we, we know of at this point in order to know anything that was going on with her at the time. If she had a boyfriend, where's the baby's father? You know, there was there was really nothing or or did she have any weird animosity with her family because I mean the last time she was seen is also when they believed her have to have been killed so I don't know if they're looking at her her family at all I don't know um but uh this case that has been cold for almost 30 years is so close to being solved Ben Salem police detectives ask that anyone who knew Mary Beth Hodgkinson, please contact Detective Chris McMullen of the Ben Salem police. 
directly at 215-633-3726 or Detective Greg Beadler of the Bucks County DA's office at 215-348-6344. You can also call the Ben Salem Police Department at 215-633-3719. And that's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to the family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and recorded by me, Erica. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance by Darren Makins. Join us next time for another case to sleuth out.